Nature is awesome. I love all the different creatures and the way they are. I like to see them and be around them, but man, I really don't like running into a spider web at face level at night. There are these spiders around where I live that make these big webs right across the paths that I want to walk on. There's enough of them that I've got to turn on my flashlight on my phone just so I don't walk into one and tell people coming over to my house to watch out for them too. Actually, I've got a responsibility to tell those people, because without a light you really can't tell where the webs are. As the title suggests, for this episode we're talking about evil spirits and their web of lies, if I can use that cliché. Psychological spiders, if you will. Perhaps you've noticed some webs caught up in your mind or the minds of people you care about. Tonight we're going to talk about who makes those webs, how we can avoid them or break free. We're not trying to weird you out or freak you out, we're just trying to give you some information. A flashlight for when you walk down those paths. Stay tuned. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg in Life. So yeah, we used the spider metaphor this time. The first time we did a show about evil spirits, we used the germs metaphor. We should have done that one this time, because if you can't tell, I'm just getting over a cold. So it's affecting how I sound, and so that would have been just a great tie-in. But hopefully it'll make me sound cooler. My name is Curtis Childs, uh, and I think we can all agree that I need all the help I can get with that. Zing! If you want to get your questions in, your comments, be part of the conversation, just write them in the chat room. At the end, we're going to have our live stuff. we got a lot to get to tonight, so we're going to get right to it. We're going to talk about the world of evil spirits. You can't go anywhere in Swedenborg without bumping into evil spirits, and if he's right in what he described about reality through his spiritual experiences, we don't go anywhere day-to-day without bumping into them. How does it all work? How are they working on us, and what are they looking for? That's what we're going to talk about now. And we got to do it chronologically, so let's start with part one. Okay, so we called part one the big cover-up, because Swedenborg found this big cover-up when he was working through the spiritual world, encountering evil spirits. And the cover-up could be summarized like this. Evil spirits make us think their thoughts are our thoughts. As Swedenborg described in Spiritual Experiences, Word Explained 392. As we delve into this first book, you may be wondering, what kind of title is Spiritual Experiences slash Word Explained? You know, Swedenborg had some strangely titled books, but that one just seems like it's gone too far. Why did he name it that? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows, and so we just got to go on, unless we had some kind of expert that could... After Swedenborg's spiritual awakening, he began writing a biblical exegesis called The Word Explained, W-E. Eventually, he started to write down the spiritual experience he was having, set off in indented paragraphs, right in the manuscript of The Word Explained. But later on, he had a separate book for recording his spiritual experiences, S-E, but the first 403 of those experiences are found scattered throughout the word explained in those indented paragraphs, and these are the numbers referred to as S-E-W-E. He never published either book. All right. Thanks, Cara. If you guys came here for Swedenborg nomenclature trivia, you got your fix from that, hopefully. All right, so this is what he wrote. 
It is the evil spirits around a person who, because we are unaware of them and what they are like, cause us to identify them as thoughts instead. For human beings believe their thoughts are under their own control. It's fair. I think we generally believe that. Therefore, any who do not want to believe that spirits arouse their thoughts and their feelings may, if they so wish, believe that their thinking does this. But then it is worse with a person, for in this way we make ourselves to blame. He's throwing down a pretty heavy gauntlet there. He's saying, guess what? It's not all you. Those oppressive, negative thoughts that beat you down all day, every day, get you to think nasty things about other people, that's not just cooking up in your cerebrum or cerebellum. There is a larger spiritual unconscious, and that is filtering in, and there's intent behind it. Uh, and he's not the only one who says it. If you watched our first episode on evil spirits or our second one, uh, How to Deal with Evil Spirits is the name of the first one, you met our buddy Jerry, and he's back in this episode to talk a little bit more about this cover-up and specifically how evil spirits can be heard in the mind as thought. So here's what he had to say. It's also critical to understand that these things sound just like your own thoughts. They don't sound any different. There, there's not a timbre, there's not a voice change, there's nothing like that. It's, it's, it's the intent of the thought. You know? and, and that becomes most clear with people who, uh, I mean, everybody's experienced it where you're walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden you get this intensely negative, horrifying thought. And it, it just seems to come out of nowhere. And, and you're kind of going, you know, where'd that come from? You know, it's, it's like, it's nothing you would ever do. It's nothing you would ever consider. And you're horrified by it. You know it's not your own thought. You know, um, I talked to one nurse one time about this, and she said she was walking up the uh, garage with multi, multiple floors, and she looked over the railing, and she had a thought saying, jump. Why don't you jump? And stuff like that. That's, that's where they operate clearest in normal people, but where they become very clear and where psychiatry has led everybody down the wrong path is with the psychotic voices that um, schizophrenics hear. And because you were wondering, how does he know what evil spirits sound like in the head of thoughts? If you saw the other episodes, he's worked extensively with schizophrenic patients and in just phenomenologically asking them, what do you hear? What are these voices saying? What are they like? He slowly, through this cool journey we have documented in other episodes, came to the belief that this phenomenon that these patients are describing are the same as these evil spirits that Swedenborg describes. So, on the one end of the spectrum, you get schizophrenics describing them as the voices. The rest of us, a little bit farther down, we hear them there, but just as thoughts. And so we, we don't know they're there. We just think, man, I'm in a bad mood, or I have had, been in a bad mood for 25 years. So, they're there. What do they want to do? The first thing they want to do is block the truth. And Swedenborg describes this in Secrets of Heaven 653. Evil spirits who stir up our rationalizations call forth all our misconceptions. They try to persuade us that falsity is truth. And more than that, they even turn our true ideas into false ones. Then further, S-E-W-E, evil spirits do not allow the least thought to slip in, derived from faith in God the Messiah, that they do not instantly seize upon and distort. They notice anything coming from faith in the very least, as in the greatest thoughts, for they are full of hatred, so that the least ray of truth distresses them, and they distort it. And that, when I heard that, I thought, of course, of hydrophobia, which maybe you guys thought of that too. If something is hydrophobic, that means it is intensely averse to water. 
You know how people say, oh, that person said that, it's just about you just let it go, like water off of a duck's back. You heard that? Do people actually say that? The point is the feathers of a duck are so resistant to water that water beads and rolls off, whereas a shirt or something will soak that water up. Hydrophobic repels water. And the way Swedenborg says it, water is a physical analogy for truth. What water does in this world, truth does in the world of the mind slash spirit. So why don't we take a look at something that doesn't like water in this world? Here's a little clip of, this is a water droplet on a hydrophobic surface being held in these two hydrophobic clamps, and this knife is hydrophobic. And look at that. Because everything repels the water so much, they can just slice down and create these balls. So you see how differently water behaves because of how resistant those things are to it. That's how much the evil spirits who are trying to mess us up don't want any of the truth to come in. So they would probably, hopefully, be allergic to this episode, right? If we're on the right track. So we need the truth in order to go forward. So let's talk a little bit about how we can get it. This is Secrets of Heaven, 1661, bracket two. Yeah, some of these are divided into subsections as well. None of us can possibly fight evil and falsity until we know how to recognize them, and consequently until we have been educated. The very first weapons any of us wield are the good impulses and true concepts we have acquired by learning about evil and falsity. These we use as the basis and means for evaluating evil impulses and false concepts. Further from Secrets of Heaven. To be prepared is to be equipped with true thoughts and good impulses, and unless we are prepared, we can never regenerate, still less be tested. The evil spirits who are present with us during those processes stir up everything false and evil in us, and if we lack anything true or good to which the Lord can redirect the evil and falsity, and by which he can disperse it, we go under. So, we have to have something good in us, and something true in us. You know, this is, good is love toward anyone. Truth is the way things really are. So tonight we're trying to equip you with some truths, if you'll go with us, that you can have in your little satchel thing, <laughs> bow and arrow quiver, and that should be enough equipment to take these guys on, hopefully. So, let's get to some of the truths about the situation, and we'll begin with section two, the intent. So you don't just got to take it from me. The intent. If, if, you're, if, you're tr- if you get a phone call from somebody you don't know, and it sounds like they're a telemarketer, you want to know what's their intent. As soon as you know they're trying to sell something, you know how to treat the call. So with these evil presences, you got to know what they want. And this is what Jerry said uh, about the intent that he found. What must be understood is their intent for lying. You know, um, most of their lies are personal lies about, you know, you yourself, you know, and, and I have a whole list of those, some of the most vile of the bunch. Um, the intent, the bottom line intent is to create negative emotional energy. And that is in whatever form they can create it. That, that's guilt, fear, anxiety, you name it. Thinking about that, that's actually like a pretty mean thing to do, to try to pull up those emotions. Why? even though they're called evil spirits or whatever you want to call them, why are they this mean? And there's a clue in the fact that they have a burning hatred, as Swedenborg would described it, for everybody. Secrets of Heaven 1680. Hellish spirits, which is another term he uses for it, want nothing less, here's their wish list, than to destroy 
everyone. And nothing thrills them more than causing pain. So there's the motivation. This is like making us miserable is how they get their kicks. But it actually goes beyond that even. It gets into sort of the spiritual food chain. And we're going we're gonna to see that through Jerry's experiences uh, and then through Swedenborg. So let's hear Jerry's take on it. Now, as far as what they do with the energy, they live off it. It's their food. I'm back. That was pretty quick, right? We just wanted to set up that precedent. So there's... There's a claim there that what Jerry found in working with these patients who are being preyed on by these things, that they eat that stuff. And lo and behold, a couple centuries before, Swedenborg had this to say in Secrets of Heaven 9003. And this gets into a little bit of what we are, what the nature of us human beings is. The case is the same with people's emotions as with people themselves. Unless they are sustained with food and drink, they die. And deep down, a human being is nothing but an emotional response. A good person is a positive response to goodness and therefore to truth. An evil person is a positive response to evil and therefore to falsity. This fact is especially visible from people who have become spirits, so that after we die, we all become spirits, or we lose our bodies, so we're only a spirit. The aura of their life, and if you want to know more about that, check out our episode, The Nature of Auras, all about Swedenborg's take on that popular term. Which, the aura of their life, which then pours from them, is one of desire either for goodness or evil. When that nourishes or sustains them, what, yeah, is not earthly but spiritual food and drink. Falsity born of evil sustains an evil spirit. Truth born of goodness, a good spirit. Even while we are living in the world, in our bodies, that is exactly what nourishes our mind. So, it's not just about making fun of people for fun, for hell, for evil spirits. This is how they eat. They're predators and we're prey. And he goes further, Secrets of Heaven 1695, the food of evil and hellish spirits is anything opposed to wisdom, understanding, and accurate knowledge. In other words, it is any falsehood. This food, surprisingly, sustains evil spirits. It sustains them because it is their life. Without the opportunity to slander or even blaspheme truth, they cannot survive. So you can see how valuable valuable it would be to them, and you can pat yourself on the back for giving them an opportunity to, to do that to you. This is not a game to them, and the way that this food manifests, as Jerry found it, was a phenomenon called energy drain. And this was just like it sounds like, that he would interact with these people, and after they got hit by these entities, they'd have no energy. And Spir- Swedenborg described the same thing. He talked about having, there was a spirit that he met, uh, you know, he, he all the time had these sort of spiritual experiences, and there was one spirit that he met uh, that seemed to sap all of his energy off of him. This was a spirit that whenever it came around, it started to sort of breathe its toxicity, that aura came into him, he would start to feel sluggish and could barely do anything, could barely write. It turns out that this spirit was somebody who had in life thought they were more important than anyone else and lorded over other people, bossed people around, tried to bend everything toward themselves. And because of that life they had, he sent out this aura that, that drained him like that. But since evil spirits are allergic to the truth, hopefully we can get some truths here that will get rid of them for you as awesomely as we got rid of that graphic. Okay, so that's from Swedenborg's perspective. Excuse me. Now let's hear Jerry describe the phenomenon. Prisoners reported that when the voices attacked, they could actually feel their energy leaving. 
It's one thing I noticed first at Central State Hospital, the, the patients after an attack by the voices where these things are screaming at them, keeping them awake all night. And sometimes it goes on all night. Sometimes it just goes on intensely for a few hours. They're drained. They have no energy. They're depressed. Some of them can't even get out of bed. You know, I'm like, and what's with that? So for years, I thought that was the anxiety because these things are pretty horrible. You know, I thought it was, well, okay, you, you got something screaming at you, calling your names, running you down 24 hours a day. I mean, you know, that's going to probably take its toll on you. Then I hit a line in Swedenborg where he reported he was drained after dealing with them. And then I ran into uh, Miguel Ruiz, who's a uh, Native American shaman. And here he lays it out. He said, these are negative entities. They drain uh, people's emotion. They can't produce their own emotion. And they feed off of negative emotion. They can't stand positive. So you hear him say, then I found a line in Swedenborg that says, he had when Jerry first started interacting with these things, he, he had never heard of Swedenborg. So he got into it afterwards. So it's cool to me to hear the phenomenon come up independently and hear people's differing language on it in, across centuries and all that, yet describing the same kind of thing. And with his energy drain, he didn't just come to that concept immediately. This was a long period of study for him, and I asked him to tell a story. There was one particular incident when he was working at the prison that really solidified that there's some kind of uh, siphoning process of will to live here, and so I'll let him describe the story of the two guys. Sitting in my office, two referrals come in from CDU, so I always ended up with probably the most intense inmate population in, in the complex. I mean, it's, I was always in the worst of it. This was, I was working for the jail of the prison at that time. It's, it's a place where they put the worst of the worst. You know, all the bad guys from all the other units come there. It's a maximum security unit. And here's these two guys locked together in the same cell. One of them snitched off the uh, Aryan Brotherhood, which is a very violent gang. Uh, snitched off a drug deal and they lost the drug deal and some of their guys got sent to other units and their punishments increased. I mean, it, it really wreaked havoc on their gang. So they were out to kill this guy. They'd already stabbed him once. Uh, he couldn't go anywhere without a uh, guard escort. I would watch, they would shoot notes under his door threatening to kill him. You know? um, they were trying to get his roommates to kill him. You, know, you couldn't be under much more stress than this guy was. I mean, they were intent. They even got guys that get in trouble in other units to be sent to CDU where they could get at this guy. And that's how badly they wanted him dead. You know, there, there's nothing short of war that's, that can create that much anxiety. This guy was housed in the same cell with a chronic paranoid schizophrenic guy who was eating up with voices. Um, and this, this schizophrenic guy would get up three, four in the morning and just stand in the dark and stare at this guy, you know, which was kind of spooky. So here comes two letters, inmate letters, one uh, from the guy that the prisoners were trying to kill and the other from the guard saying, hey, listen, this, this other guy's freaking out, his roommate, you need to do something about this. Um, so I interviewed him at the same time. So there wasn't a more perfect experimental thing. I mean, it couldn't happen more perfect. They're in the same cell under the same conditions. Uh, everything's equal. And out comes the guy that the prisoners are trying to kill. And, you know, he virtually bounds up the steps and comes and he's, he's got a lot of energy. And then once I finished with him, the 
paranoid schizophrenic guy comes out and he he just barely make it up the stairs. He had no energy. He had trouble speaking. He was so low on energy. Uh, the, the other guy looked like Superman compared to him. So it's kind of, hey, you know, it isn't anxiety. There's something else going on here. So to him, that was part of his journey of how he got these guys identified and then taken away. So we're going to make it so it's easy for you to have that go on. Hopefully, by revealing techniques and information. For Swedenborg, it, a lot of it was just learned. Once he knew what was going on, it was a lot easier to deal with. So another thing that evil spirits do is pervert what's good. So they try to block truth, but they pervert what's good. Secrets of Heaven, 1820. Evil spirits never fight against anything but what we love. The more passionately we love something, the more bitterly they fight it. Evil demons combat anything good that touches our hearts. I gotta stop talking about these. He talks about evil spirits and evil demons. Those are technical terms in Swedenborgianese. Evil spirits are mean people that focus on your thoughts. Evil demons are mean people that focus on your hearts. And there's we in our first episode, uh, How to Deal with Evil Spirits, we went into that more. But these are technical terms. Uh, these all used to be people. Um, now, just like, you know, there's... Um, Loan sharks and stuff preying on people. These are preying on us across the veil. So, evil demons combat anything good that touches our hearts. Evil spirits combat anything true that touches our hearts. <clears throat> as soon as they become aware of something we love, no matter how small or smell out anything dear and pleasing to us, they immediately attack and try to destroy it. In the process, they are trying. Oh, in the process, they are trying to destroy the whole person, because our life consists in what we love. Nothing could possibly give them more pleasure than to destroy us. So it seems like a shark, doesn't it? That they can sniff out anything. Sort of like a bully can tell where you're insecure. They could tell this person cares about this. We're going after it. So if you happen to notice the things you love in your life being attacked inside you, there's a reason for it. Right. This is this is part of the this is part of the tactics. Secrets of Heaven seven forty one. The tests that we undergo, and there's a there's other words for that too. Um, here we use tests. The tests that we undergo are nothing else than battles between the evil spirits and angels who are present with us. The evil spirits summon up every wrong that we have ever done or even considered from childhood on. So they stir up both what is evil and what is false in us and condemn us for it. Nothing gratifies them more. It is the central pleasure of their lives. Interesting, that, and this is something Swedenborg says across the board, you got angels, you got evil spirits. You might think angels would be the ones that are interested in saying, you did this thing wrong. We're so good. Why'd you do this? You're wrong. Swedenborg says, it's the evil spirits. They're the ones who like to condemn you for things. And that actually, that's the central joy of their life, is to call you evil, which I think is cool because... And so often people kind of come under this guise of, I'm just, I'm so good and I just want to tell you how evil you are because that's the right thing to do. But actually, that's not how the angels do it. That's how hell does it. So don't, don't say that next time somebody condemns you for something, but keep it in your mind. All right. So then moving on, spiritual experiences were explained to 348A and through 349A. For evil spirits are even gifted with a cunning nature that no one, that one would never believe possible, seizing upon anything whatever that a person is thinking and transforming it into something evil, and this in an instant. Some do this with such slyness and with such a poisonous skill that they at first appear as good angels. They are the worst kind, deceiving those off guard with tricks that one could never have thought possible unless taught. 
by God the Messiah. Again, thinking about if you were visiting a big city as a tourist and you knew nothing about the city, you could be prey to a lot of things, right? There's people who are looking for clueless tourists. Similarly, spiritual world, you have these guys circling, trying to mess people up. And there you start to get a sense of the overall mission to kind of keep people down. And, look, you know, all the misery that we see in life, isn't so much of it sort of mysterious in origin? Like, what, why are we so upset about things? Why aren't we just happy with things? Is this a part of the whole thing? That's what we're going to look at, and we're going to look at it deeply now, because that was one technique, but we, we actually found uh, a lot of techniques that they use, and we're going to give them all to you, because we're a nonprofit and we give stuff out for free. So, let's take a look now at Lies for Food. So this is a really big deal. We we found this folder. It's the same one in that picture. The spider's on the back. You just can't see it. It's right here. Um, that this is top secret stuff. These are the techniques that hell uses to make us and the rest of the world miserable. Would you like to dig into it? This is tactical stuff. We can learn a lot here. So I'm just going to throw my folder on the table, open it up. All right, here we go. First, this is the first piece of intelligence we had. Some, this is an experience Swedenborg had. Some distance above my head was a crowd of people who were influencing my thoughts and holding them captive, so to speak, so that I was very much in the dark. They pressed down on me fairly heavily. The spirits around me were likewise being held more or less captive by them, so that they could hardly think anything that did not pour in from those others. The tactic is keep people in the dark. And simultaneously, this is a heavy topic, and it really, I, you do, regardless of what you believe about the cause, you do see this phenomenon in the world of people just being weighed down in their lives. And juxtapose that with how silly this folder thing is. It's just, a, it's just a weird night. Okay, so they keep us in the dark, right? The folder is silly. The information is real. Let's take a look at the next technique, which is create a fog of emotional confusion. As soon as evil spirits detect a trace of conscience, <clears throat> no matter how imperfect, they take our misconceptions and weaknesses and shape them into a fog of emotion, which they use to block and distort the light of truth, or else they torture us with anxiety. Another device they use is to train our thoughts on a single issue with no let-up. They fill it up with crazy notions and at the same time secretly tie our cravings into the insanity. They have countless other underhanded methods as well, which could never be described intelligibly. Little of this reaches our conscious awareness, only in its most general outlines, and it is our conscious awareness of right and wrong, our conscious, more than anything else that these evil spirits take the greatest delight in destroying. So there you had us, he gave a couple in a row, that was Secrets of Heaven 1820, which is a big long number, we quoted a few times here, it's just this awesome rundown of, this is how they're messing you up, this is what they're doing to you, this is how they're going after you, so you know, so you can avoid it. But there he said, I like that one, focus your thoughts on one issue without any let up. How many people are walking around completely consumed in misery over one specific thing? I once did this thing where I was sort of gathering information, talking to people about what their sort of internal thought climate was like, and I would ask them, like, what's getting you down? What are your sort of negative head talk things? And everyone had a different one, but generally people came down to there was one thing that was like, this is the, like if I said it, they would know what I was talking about. And I see, is that hell working on everybody, training them into one thing? And it's sad because so many people could have really 
happier lives. That they, These are people who are good and they have good things in their lives, but they're so consumed by this stuff. So to me, if we can find some the root of it in this stuff, then let's do it, man. We got, we got a lot of happy life to live and this stuff is just messing us up. All right, with that, on to the next secret, which is that they isolate and divide us. Spirits of a certain kind want to be in control and to be the only ones ruling everyone else. For that purpose, they arouse enmity, hatred, and conflict among others. I saw the fighting that results in an amazement, asked who they were. I was told they are, of, they are the type of spirits who stir up this sort of trouble because they aim to wield supreme and solitary power in accord with the maxim, divide and conquer. So they want to gas against each other so that we all lose we all lose our minds, and then they can swoop in. Relationships, family stuff, do, do they get in there and mix things up? Swedenborg says, yes. And the isolation is something that very distinctly Jerry saw when he was working around these schizophrenic patients. Here's what he had to say about it. They do to us exactly what we do to cows. Right? So they come, they hit you with the negative prep, they generate the negative emotional energy, they take it away, they put you back out the pasture, you eat food, generate more, and then they isolate you. And, and you that's why they don't want you having a family. They don't want you having friends. They want you isolated where there's no interference with what they're doing. So you talk to schizophrenic patients, they're always off by themselves in some dark corner somewhere. They don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want anything to do with anybody. And that's the way the voices want it. They don't want any interference with the draining of that energy. So... Do yourself a favor and don't get too isolated. They're always trying to push us away from other people. Just, if you can, find a couple people that you can let in to what's going on for you. Because it does seem like the more you get isolated, the less you can gain perspective outside your own thoughts. Because if the problem is in your own thoughts, how are you going to use your own thoughts to get out of it? You know, just hear, talking to someone else, hearing the way they think about life, noticing that what they're, what you're worried about, they're not worried about, can make it seem less powerful. Uh, it's important and obviously must have some tactical advantage if hell is trying to push people away from it, right? I didn't write it down here, but false guilt is another thing that they do. They try to make people feel guilty, as you mentioned before, but even guilty about things they are not supposed to be guilty about. He describes spirits, uh, Swedenborg describes spirits, trying to make him feel guilty about things that you could, but you really don't need to, uh, and they would try to push him. It's a negative emotion, so they try to get it. Also, they try to create anxiety, which is our next one of these guys. And he devotes a part of a number in heaven and hell to that. I've been enabled to learn where we get the anxiety, distress of mind, and inward sadness called depression. There are spirits who are not yet united with hell because they are still in their first state. The emotional tone of their conversation flows into us. And since it is contrary to our affection, it brings about a sadness and an anxious depression. <clears throat> a great deal of experience has convinced me that they are the source of our anxiety of spirit. I have seen them, heard them, felt the anxieties that well up from them. I have talked with them. They have been driven off and the anxiety has ceased. They have come back and the anxiety has returned. I have observed its increase and decrease as they drew near and moved away. So it's not to say that there's not a physical component to the whole thing. But there's a spiritual component too, and they interact with each other, right? So there's one another another thing they try to do is drown us with lies. This is Secrets of Heaven, seven o five three. False premises and warped reasoning drown a person. 
The, world, the word uses floods as, of water as a simile and a metaphor for times of both trial and ruin because these are similar phenomena. During them, evil spirits stream in with their pervasive lies and false assumptions and arouse the same kind of thinking in us. It's just so interesting. You have Swedenborg, who's all about the spiritual out-of-body stuff, but he talks so much about psychology, like where do thoughts and feelings come from, what affects them. And he was saying that the forces of heaven and hell are all through there. And that through our, through our equipping ourselves with this knowledge, we can then identify things, and it gives us power. Knowledge is power, right? Another thing they try to do is destroy perspective. Anyone who is being tested is unsure of the end. The end is love, and love is what evil spirits and evil demons attack, throwing the end into doubt. Spirits and demons control a person's reasoning power through feelings. So they manipulate us. And isn't that true? Anybody who's really going down, they don't have perspective. There are things that seem really important to them that are not, that are going to be okay. And that, that's, that's part of the isolation process. So those are a few of the things. And if you notice any of those, there you go. Noticing is the first part, and then we'll get to look at a few things we can do about it. So that's what they do, but how do they access us? The way Swedenborg describes it, we're kept in equal... equal <laughs> Ebonema, that we're kept in equilibrium between heaven and hell, and that this is just a part of what allows freedom and consciousness. Do you guys know that song? Ebonema, anyway, this is what allows freedom and consciousness in a human being, in a human mind, and that's got to be there. However, there can be this imbalance, they can get in more. Sometimes there's access that can be created by trauma. We're going to introduce you to our next guest, Sherry Sweeney, and she is somebody who went through a lot of trauma as she was younger, and this kind of opened the door to this negative stuff. And then we're going to hear from her about how she overcame a lot of it. So this is her introducing and, and telling some of the, the hardships she had growing up. So I was born in San Francisco, California, and uh, I ended up with parents who uh, were dysfunctional. And, uh, and so I experienced a lot of uh, child abuse. In fact, um, my father, who was a, a World War II enthusiast, uh, had been studying uh, Japanese torture methods, and so he decided to have me at, as his subject. So uh, I went through um, what I call trauma-based mind control because he did some things that were analogous to the things that are done to people at MKUltra and such. And so uh, that was at the age of, th starting at the age of three, went on to the age of six, and then I was taken away and put in an or a Catholic orphanage. So there, it, back in those days, I was born in 1944, so I'm in my 70s. So back in those days, uh, the orphanages were known for abusing the children and they were shut, subsequently shut down many years later. So that set the stage for me to be uh, not the normal kind of happy child. <laughs> so, and, uh, and as a result, you know, I continued to have um, many thoughts go on in my head that related back to the torture sessions. There were things that I would never think of, but at the time, as a child, I had no idea what that was, and so I fought that. I wasn't going to obey those thoughts. 
in retrospect, I understand now that those were the, what I call the dark side beings, and I, I'm not sure what you call them, Curtis. Oh, you know, who knows what I call them? I mean, uh, Swedenborg called them evil spirits, which is, of course, a translation of a Latin term. They've been called many things. It doesn't, you know, people have different names for them, but it seems that all across all different sorts of cultures, eras, time periods, people are encountering these negative beings. So Sherry had that difficult beginning to life, and she said that this let in these negative thoughts, and that started her battle. So now we have these two guests from these two different perspectives. Sherry started to experience these these evil spirits in her mind, and Jerry learned about it through working with people who had overt schizophrenic experiences. However, they both report the common lies that they heard, that Sherry heard in her own head, and that Jerry heard the from asking the patients, what do the voices say about this? What do they say about that? I wanted to put them together, and this is, see if any of this sounds familiar, this is sort of a portrait of how do evil spirits talk to us. So here is, uh, in their own words, what they've experienced. So what I did is highlighted some of the, the most common ones. No one will ever love you because you're a piece of garbage. You know, no one will ever love you because you're a piece of garbage, you're a waste of flesh, you're too fat, you're too... You're, you're just not uh, worthy. You're worthless, you're a burden to everyone around you. And with schizophrenics, they'd say, kill yourself, you know, just just get it over with. You'll always remain poor because that's what you deserve. You're not qualified to do anything, so how could you ever expect to, to have any money? Uh, everybody else is better than you are. Uh, others look at you as a fool. Uh, people are annoying. You have no friends. You don't deserve to be treated well. Your family doesn't really care about you uh, because you're basically a very bad person and you don't deserve their love. Your life isn't going anywhere. People really don't care about you. They're just putting up a front. They're talking behind your back. Or I can't meet. you can't meet up with their expectations, so stop trying because you'll never be able to do that. You're a failure. You'll never succeed in anything. You have this disease, and you can name any disease. It can be cancer, it can be arthritis, it can be uh, heart disease, it can be, you know, high blood pressure, it could be anything. Um, and and, and the, the lie is there's nothing you can do about it. You have no reason to feel good, you don't deserve respect, don't trust yourself or anybody else, your life is a mess, your life is meaningless, you can't change. You'll never achieve anything of significance. You have no talent, you, you have no qualifications, who in the world's ever going to want to hire you anyway? You know, you're too old, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too this, you're too that. Your future is grim. You have nothing to look forward to. You're weak. Don't ask Christ for help. He couldn't even save himself. What makes you think he's going to save you? You have no spirit and there is no God. And there's no way anyone's ever going to forgive you or trust you again. The, the intent is what's important. You know, they want to produce guilt. They want to produce fear. I mean, virtually anything that they can do to generate negative emotional energy. They'll do it. And these are all ridiculous lies, but yet people feel them. And if they go with them, they're, all they are is, is uh, giving the dark entities food and they don't know it. If they knew it, they might be able to do more about it. So if you just jumped in the middle of that, wait, wait, we weren't saying that to you. This was two people telling the lies that evil spirits tell in the mind. To, oh, they're gone. 
they're gone anyway. Okay, did you hear that at the end? She said, if we knew that, we might be able to do something about it. So we've got some knowledge here. In the next section, it's our turn to fight back. So let's take a look at reprogramming. So in this segment, we're going to have the story of we had Sherry. She was really treated horribly as a child, had these negative thoughts and evil spirit kind of things come in. And But there was a way that she learned to protect herself from them, and we want to share what she found. So here's her telling a little more of her story. I wanted to reprogram my own brain because I knew I was in trouble. And that's a real complicated kind of an idea to have because the brain is so such a complicated mechanism with millions and millions of um, synaptic connections. I had read and studied where the electrical connections kind of make a groove, if you can picture a groove in your brain, goes from point A to point B. And what I wanted to do is change that connection from point A to point C. And I didn't know how to do that. Um, Long story short, after many years of, of trial and error, um, the universe helped me out. I mean, I got, I got put into a class to, to learn how to do computer programming. And during that process, I realized that the, the brain is very much like a computer or a computer is very much like a brain in that it can be programmed um, with certain codes. In a way, that a lot of Swedenborg's message is based on this idea that one thing is like another thing, and if you know that, it can help you. So, the brain has similarities to a computer. Sherry learning that helped give her a leg up in this fight against this drowning from negative stuff. So, here's the program that she wrote. So, I kind of mentally wrote this program called That's a Lie Program. And every time I heard those negative things coming my way or felt them, I just told myself, sometimes out loud, if I was alone, that's a lie. And I did that over and over and over again until that, those connections that were going to the negative parts of my brain to make me feel negative uh, were no longer being used. And so they actually atrophied, and I got to this point where I don't have to think about it anymore. You know, it's just an automatic, I know it's a lie. <laughs> so, so I don't have to tell myself it's a lie, I just know it's a lie. I love that program. Sorry. I love that program. Uh, I love what she does with it. It's, I've used it before. It's really simple. Whenever something evil comes into your mind, whenever something critical or negative comes into your mind, that's a lie. That's a lie. And that's, that's like, I'm rubber, you're glue on the playground. Instead of some, some kind of doubt about who you are or fear of where your life is going or something, instead of starting to engage with that, and, oh, yeah, what about this? Or I'm going to feed into that. That's a lie. You just do that. It's awesome. It's an awesome program to write. And it just, it, it gets it so that you're not open for business. You know, sorry, store's closed. I'm not in the business of listening to negative things and getting worked up about it. That's a lie. That's a lie. Use it. It's good. Either way, the process has to happen gradually. It's not that you're going to be able to just use that or any of Swedenborg's ideas or anything instantly. It's going to happen gradually, ups and downs. It's going to feel sometimes like this is going great. Other times I'm completely submerged in this stuff. But 
it's worth continuing to go, and it's about identifying things. Swedenborg found that when he would identify various evil spirits, they would lose their power. So he would have a negative thought or feeling flow in to his mind, and he would get to, because he had this spiritual trip going on, he could, spiritual eyes were open, he could actually go find out, who put that in my head? And he could go find them, sometimes talk to them, like, stop doing that, man, what are you doing? And that would that would change the whole dynamic. He no longer, that stuff no longer affected him because he knew it. So we're trying to give you some tools to identify that kind of stuff. And he talks about it, Secrets of Heaven 1680. We can tell which group we are associating with, hellish or angelic, if we intend harm to our neighbor, think only evil thoughts about them, actually hurt them when we can, and enjoy doing so, we are associating with hellish spirits and become hellish spirits ourselves in the other life. If we have good intention toward our neighbors, though, think only good thoughts about them, and actually do the good when we can, we are associating with angelic spirits and becoming angels ourselves in the other life. This is a sign. Examine yourself by this standard. However, if you have negative thoughts and feelings, that doesn't mean you're associating with evil spirits. It's actually often the reverse, that evil spirits, if you're, not, if you're going with them, everything feels great. But when you're not, that's when they start to go after you. And this, there's an experience that Sherry had. This was the only time, she said, when she actually saw something visual. But she and some people, she was in this uh, meditation group, and they were doing this thing where they were going to meditate together and try to send out love to prisons. And they would do it to some prison where they knew someone on the inside, and that person would tell them, did anything change? So they would sit and, and coordinate and try to see, can, can we do something positive for the prison? And it was just after they had done one of these meditations toward a particular prison that she had the following encounter. The best I can explain it is there was this energy, there was this presence in my room, in my apartment. And it was very dark and ominous and so I hollered out to the presence who are you because I, I had this feeling it was so thick that I, I just knew that it was something there it wasn't um, just air it was some kind of presence the the energy just got really 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 super super thick and uh, I, I'm not sure how to explain that because I'm kind of getting out of the the normal English language for description so I asked the energy you know you know, whatever you are, show yourself. And uh, it was the most, um, it was the most incredible and scary experience that I've, I've ever experienced. And um, so what I saw was this mist that appeared like, like black smoke is the best I can describe it. It was kind of in a funnel shape, you know, like a, like a tornado kind of a shape. And so I hollered at it to go away. And of course, you know, the, my heart was beating fast and I was afraid, you know. And, and so as I got more fear, this thing started coming closer to me. And in my mind, I'm sensing the, the words coming from, from this uh, being that was saying things like, you know, who do you think you are sending sending energy to that prison that's that one's mine you know and now I'll destroy you <laughs> and so uh, I can laugh now but at the moment I wasn't laughing I mean I was really afraid and so but I still said to myself and I said out loud that's a lie you don't own anything you know you don't have any power over me 
but I, I, you know, I was just saying the words. The feeling wasn't true because I was still afraid. And so the, the internal dialogue with me and this entity kind of continued on for a little bit. And the dark entity was saying to me, oh, really? You know, it's you that's powerless. Um, you know, it's you that lives in fear and confusion. Um, you know, you're the one that dumped your children, which was a lie. Uh, you know, you're, you've got really stupid ideas. And you can't solve anything, much less us. And then I, I said, you know, that's a lie. You have no power over me. Um, you're not welcome here. And so finally, um, things were starting to gel in my own mind in, in the midst of this fear. And the fear was kind of starting to subside a little bit. Because the entity wasn't actually physically attacking me. And it was just there. And um, the entity went on to tell me, you know, you're stupid. You don't know anything at all. You're just confused. You know, stay away from the prison and I'll, I'll even help you get smart and confident and popular. Well, then, <laughs> then I knew. I mean, I knew this, this guy, this, this entity is um, telling all kinds of lies. It's manipulating me. So if you're face-to-face -face with some kind of weird tornado guy, you might not think that's the time to laugh. But as you'll see, when her story continues, she did laugh. And laughing can actually, it seems like, be kind of a power break because if they're feeding on fear, that's the opposite of fear. And Swedenborg sort of describes a similar phenomenon. This is SCWE-397A. <clears throat> and he's talking about evil spirits here. For while they are being allowed to punish or tempt, they think that, pa that power to be their own and to come from their own planning because they are allowed to act in this way. But really, when one is allowed to learn of their attempts and their plans, even their thoughts, as I have been granted by the divine mercy of God the Messiah to learn, one really cannot help laughing at how they think that everything is due to themselves, and even convince themselves of it, and cannot bear to be told that they are dead, and can achieve nothing whatsoever with all their imagined foresight, even when they are shown clearly that they cannot say, much less do, anything whatever from themselves. This has also been very often been granted me to show them vividly, but after some indignation they at once forget the experience and return to that ridiculous imagination that they know and can do, some of them, everything." These words that I am now writing are also in their midst, and they are becoming very indignant. So we're getting sort of a play-by-play -play here. But whenever it pleases God the Messiah, the ability to speak, to think, to act is taken from them so obviously that it cannot possibly be denied. And afterwards, while they are given permission, and then to the extent of that permission, they become enraged. It is the evil spirits I'm speaking of. So there you have both the ridiculousness of evil spirits, but then also... This the divine guidance, that the divine providence is working in everything, and actually that gets that evil spirits are only allowed to act in ways that will end up bringing good, and they don't realize that they're sort of pawns in the larger game, that God is even using their negativity to bring good things about, and whenever they hear that, they're, no, nah, I don't like that. So, if you can find, if you know what's really going on, if you can show, no, that you're actually going to lead to good eventually, you're ridiculous, that breaks the power, and Sherry found this out uh, vividly herself, so we'll let her continue. How he said that, or how it said that, um, somehow struck my funny bone. You know, I'm a Monty Python fan, so I, I kind of like, I enjoy the, the weird kind of insane comedy that they put on. So it struck me in that fashion that I laughed out loud. I mean, I just, I laughed. 
And when I did that, all my fear disappeared. And um, and when I, you know, I, I even said, um, you know, very funny, you're an idiot, you're wasting your time here. What a moron you think you you are to have any control over me. And I laughed again. Well, then that cloud disappeared. I mean, it just poof vanished. And uh, so that gave me a greater understanding of how to deal with these things. So through her experience, she learned how to deal with them. Hopefully through knowledge that other people have gained through their experiences, you're learning more and more how to deal with these evil spirits. And in our final section, we're going to look at Swedenborg describes this state that once the tables have turned and we, uh, goodness, is now leading instead of evil stirring everything up, there's a whole new dynamic that emerges. So we're going to take a look at it now. So a little plug for another video that we have. Since we've been talking this episode about how evil spirits feed on fear, the less fear that we give out to them or the more that we can manage fear, the better off we are. We made a little video called How to Detach from Fear. It's a short one, uh, and that's just a little technique that we came up with that hopefully is helpful. Because um, it's not always easy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, even for Sherry and that experience. It's not always easy. So we're always trying to just give out tools that might be helpful there. Okay. Beyond that, let's get into Secrets of Heaven, 10481 bracket 2. It's a lot of numbers. Those whose interest lies in external things separated from what is internal have no power at all to withstand evils and falsities which come from hell, because all power to withstand them comes from the divine. If you look at that sentence, he talks about people whose interest lies in external things separated from what is internal. What does that mean? In Swedenborgianese, external has a connotation of superficial negative stuff internal is good loving kind of stuff he uses those terms but there's a if you're interested in what's internal you're interested in loving caring about other people in in spiritual things of that nature and if you only have the external without the internal it leads to problems so those are just the kind of ways that he talks if you read the whole canon you'll you'll pick it all up but that's a lot of reading. Those, therefore, who are separated from what is internal, being separated from the divine as well, have no power. As a result, they are borne along by evils and falsities, wherever hell takes them, like fluff or straw in the wind, as is plainly evident from the evil who enter the next life from the world. And people who, have, who are indulging in evil, to them it feels like everything's going great, I'm in control of my own life, but you don't really realize that you're just being pushed along by your cravings and that kind of stuff. So we want to be on the other side of that. We want to get to uh, eventual immunity. This is where um, we will have it so that there's not that same kind of pressure. There's not that same kind of war all the time, negative thoughts in the mind. There, There is a place you can reach where hell doesn't even attack you anymore. I want to take a look. Secrets of Heaven, 1820, again. I told you there's a lot of good stuff in this one. Victory carries with it. So this is, you know, overcoming those evil spirits. You know, God is helping you do that. Victory carries with it the consequence that malicious demons and spirits no longer dare to do anything. Their whole life depends on being able to destroy things. 
But when they sense that their victim has what it takes to stand up to them, they retreat as soon as they attack. The same thing happens when they near the first threshold of heaven. Fear and horror immediately seize them, and they rush away as fast as they can go. So you know that thing, go, go pick on someone your own size. That's not how hell does it. They only go after when they know they can win. As soon as they might not win, all right, I'm out of here. So not so tough, right? Secrets of Heaven 1695. When we are fighting our spiritual battles, evil spirits are permitted to dredge up every vice and falsehood we possess and to use them as weapons. When these spirits have been overcome, though, they are no longer allowed to do so because they instantly sense in us a strength of commitment to what is good and true. They have a keener perception of this strength than we do. When we commit ourselves to truth and goodness, the very air we project tells them right away how things stand, what type of response they are likely to receive, and so on. Is especially obvious with spiritually oriented people who have been reborn. They have just as many evil spirits with them as the unregenerate, but the evil the spirits are under their control and serve them. So there's this flip. It's not that you're ever going to be free of evil spirits. Just like the body is never going to be completely free of bacteria, uh, but if the bacteria are under control, they can actually be helpful, right? And this is the phase that we're getting to. If you have all this stuff and a commitment to it in the mind, there can it's not that it's easy or follow these eight steps, you'll be there in two months. I don't it's a long process, but there is light. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is that hope there that it's not gonna be like this forever. It's gonna get better than that. Spiritual experiences 166 that you can actually this is a this is an experience Swedenborg describes showing that you can actually once you get to that place of safety, you can kind of have compassion for these evil spirits because they're really in a they chose a bad state of life. And here he goes. The evil spirit's envy was such as to cause them not only extreme annoyance, but even very deep grief. Afterwards, they were led along by different kinds of envy, until they seemed to ache at heart, as the saying goes. While they were in that state, I spoke about their envy and said, among other things, that they could be content because they had seen a lower vision, and that they would have been able to see the higher one also, if only they had been of upright character. So Swedenborg had just seen this really great vision, but the evil spirits with him couldn't see it. They had to see a downgraded version of it because they were in this evil vibration. So he's telling them, it's okay. Listen, you got something. If you just were nicer, you could see this. You know. So that's what they are. This caused more anger, which in turn increased the envy to the point where they afterwards could not bear even the recollection of it without being stricken with grief. I, I am unable to describe the changes that occurred one after the other for the purpose of actually showing what kind of envy and consequent grief is in store for the wicked. Nor can their torments from that one source be described. At given stages that the spirits... Types <clears throat> At given stages that the different types of envy pass through, I spoke with his spirits, but I was unable to comfort them in any way. So here he is. He knows all about evil spirits, how they work, and he's trying to make them feel better. He's saying, it's all right, don't worry about that. Uh, you know, you, you are where you are, but there's good things about where you are. So it doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily something you can do before the tables have been turned, before, you know, they're not threatening your life, but you can maybe get there. Uh, in the end. And Sherry had an experience where she kind of got to this same place. That being that we were talking about before came back to her, and this is the encounter that she had with it. And I started thinking of the biblical phrase that goes something like, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm not a religious person, but I had done a lot of studies in the Bible. And uh, so that just popped into my head. And um, when that happened, 
Next thing I sensed was, the, you know, of me saying to the presence, I send you love. I have no idea why I said that, but it worked. And that entity vanished instantly. So it's not that she was, she was sending love, but we were talking afterwards. It's actually love energy. Uh, it's not, and that might sound sort of new age and what is that, but it's not sending love like, I love everything you're doing, evil spirit, and I condone it, and I'm just like, you're my friend, I'm going to help you. It's, it's, it's putting out love, which there should be love. Uh, there's a, an energy of treating everyone well, that kind of thing, which to someone who's in an opposite can feel pretty abrasive. Swedenborg talks about love based on what's actually best, that if somebody is committing crimes, you don't enable them. That's not love. It's actually love to correct them because they need to get their life turned around. So anyway, energy of love, if that makes sense. The final thing that Swedenborg describes that I hadn't heard of before we started researching this episode is that like in the food chain on earth, evil spirits continue to have a role to play. Actually, they can help us by getting the negative things out of us. And Swedenborg describes this in Spiritual Experiences, Word Explained 358. Evil spirits are made of use to arouse evils in man, and in this way the evils are not only recognized but also acknowledged. Before this, they are not taken away, but it is evil or damned spirits who then take these evils into themselves or swallow them up so the person is free of them. This, of course, is also what occurs during struggles and temptations, but the person is then not at all aware that it is happening. Through the divine mercy of God the Messiah, I am able to bear witness of this phenomenon from long experience, for I have frequently spoken with certain spirits about it whenever it occurred, and often I was driven to great indignation that such unclean spirits were stirring up so many evils that lay hidden within my nature. But I learned that without them there was no medicine, for this is the way these wounds must be opened up and healed. That, that, that God is making it so even... That even somebody who at the beginning is said wants to hurt everybody, loves nothing but to cause pain, the divine can make it so they're actually helping. Like vultures, think about vultures, you need those in an ecosystem. No offense to regular vultures, you're doing fine, but you need those in an ecosystem or else the carcasses would just build up and it would cause all these problems. Similarly, evil spirits can be serving the function of getting rid of the, the dead stuff in us, dead spiritual death, as Swedenborg describes it, being evil and love of harming people, that evil spirits can take that out. So we're all part of this ecosystem that, that God is, is getting everyone to pitch in, even if some people don't want to and, and don't know that they are. So that's something. And Swedenborg also promises the potential of a better future for everybody, including evil spirits. He describes it in Spiritual Experiences 154. <clears throat> About evil spirits... They're able to lie down and feed together with believers, according to Isaiah 11, 6-9. Today I was shown by actual experience how the evil, in fact, the worst ones of the devil's gang, could be present and make the greatest effort to destroy my beliefs. But even though they labored very intensely, their attempts were utterly devoid of any force or power. So they were shown to me actually lying down together and being fed. And, and they were fed, too, for then they even got to hear the points of faith enumerated. In Isaiah eleven six nine, it is expressed symbolically how evil things can be in us and yet not harm us, and thus that one need not at all be afraid on account of evils perpetrated when one is in the hand of God the Messiah. So, even for evil spirits, 
things can get better. And that we can even, once God is around, once we invite God in, God being love for everyone, that makes it so even if they're there, there's no danger anymore. That's what we're heading toward. It's not, the way Swedenborg describes heaven and hell, hell attacks, heaven defends. It's not that hell's mission is to destroy everyone in heaven and everyone on earth, and heaven's mission is to destroy hell. Heaven is trying to even make hell as happy as they can possibly be, because that's what love is. It's not enabling harm, but it's letting you get as much good happiness as you can, even if you're devoting your life to evil. So that's the goal for them. For us, a goal, a takeaway I would have from this episode is, wouldn't it be nice if we were only paying attention to what's actually happening? to the truth, not worries about a future that might come to pass, worry uh, marinating on a past, we don't know if that's really how it went, fears about how things could go, that's all false. That's what hell does, is it stirs up that kind of stuff in us. Wouldn't it be cool if we just were paying attention to what really is? The truth will set you free. That's the idea, and it's what we can use to push back these, uh, these little spiritual spiders in our minds, clear out those webs and hopefully be able to walk down the path or something. I don't know where we are in the metaphor right now. That's our show for today. Did you like it? If you did, prove it. (laughs) Like and subscribe. Those two buttons there, that helps our channel out. It helps you out because you feel like you contributed to the channel, right? Okay, thanks, man. And also, if you enjoyed it, consider uh, donating. Notice there has been no commercials. We don't do YouTube commercials. We're a nonprofit. We just run off donations. You can click this, or there's a link in the description. And we get a five-to-one match from a grant we got, so your money will go extra far to making this kind of programming. If, if you think it's valuable and you don't find something like it somewhere else, consider donating. Thank you very much. Okay, I said we we're going to get to live questions, and we actually literally are. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll answer them on the other side. Okay, we got a lot of questions tonight, a lot of chat in the chat room, and I'll try to get to them the best that I can. We all know I rarely ever answer them correctly. Okay, let's take a look at the first one. Lee, did Swedenborg see Earth from heaven, and did it look like an enclosed dome? The answer is, he did not, heaven, the heaven he described was not in a different physical place, Um, as in you couldn't, from heaven, look, there's the physical earth. It was an inward dimension. I, I don't remember him describing, like, the the structure of the planet earth. Uh, he talks, it's, it, with him, it's, it's all about, you know, how you, people think and feel. So people from earth think and feel a certain way. So that, he doesn't really give you anything good on that. So there's my first disappointing answer. Let's take a look at the next one. Yogapo, do the influences of evil spirits also come in the form of desires or just thoughts? Certainly in the form of desires. Evil spirits affect the thoughts, evil demons affect the desires. Uh, and you saw in the folder that they'll use desires to kind of mess you up emotionally. And that Swedenborg has all the desires that we get that are harmful, that's from hell. And that we actually can identify those. And it's not that you can just turn it off right away, but there are some methods that you can get rid of that. And that's the process of regeneration. And and actually, the desires are what's really pushing us. The evil thoughts are one thing, but they can kind of come and go. The desires are what's harder to get moving. So certainly, Swedenborg would say, evil spirits 
are also our evil desires, or we're actually getting those desires from them. He would say, it's their desires that we're feeling that seems like it's us, but we can't be free of that if we, you know, if we want to make that choice uh, and put the work in. So that's what he has to say about that. Let's look at another French fry. Our evil spirits sent from somewhere to test people. Well, he uses that word test. They are sent, but it's not test like God is looking to see, is this person good enough or not? Swedenborg uses the word test or temptation or spiritual struggle to describe a phenomenon where evil spirits, as as Swedenborg said, uh, we read in Swedenborg in this one, they're allowed to stir up our negative stuff, stuff in us that's bad, because they, they can go into us, they can find that right away, they can pull it up, and that serves the purpose of us being able to notice it, because if we didn't notice it was there, we could never resist it or push away from it, and then it also allows angels to try to push them away if if we're going to let it. So evil spirits do come in, in, in specific instances, Swedenborg says, to stir up that trouble so that we can move past that stuff, but not to test, like, are you going to do good or bad, pass, fail? This is part of a process of turning, uh, turning around the way that we think and feel. Does that make sense? Okay, next one. TBG football videos. How do you get rid of addiction to the dark high one gets from the spiritual pain evil spirits cause? I don't know how to get rid of something like that, addiction. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of addiction to negative stuff, and this, it's it's so difficult to get rid of that with physical addictions, you know, alcohol, drugs, they have to develop this whole culture around rehab centers, uh, around um, 12-step programs, that kind of, so it's not just like one guy like me on YouTube can say, you do it like this, and then it's done. I will say that I think it's an essential step to not see it as yours. I've found for stuff that holds me and doesn't want to let go, unless I can take this belief that this is actually not mine, because anything that we believe is ours, it's just very hard to let go of, but to believe this isn't mine, it feels like it's mine, but it's not mine. To me, it's these principles. These Swedenborg principles are what allow us to make progress, that, that it, there's a, a spiritual world, that there are evil entities that try to bring this stuff in. That's the only key that I've found that really unlocks that, oh, I could live without this. I could let this go. Um, so that's my short answer. Uh, I wish I could give more. There's if you're looking at it from a Swedenborgian perspective, check out our other videos, How to Deal with Evil Spirits, How to Free Your Mind from Hell. There's stuff in there that might be helpful. Those are the names of two other episodes. Um, it's it's not going to happen overnight, but I guess the idea is it can happen. And to, in my humble opinion, the first step is this isn't mine, and asking the divine for help to deal with it, because that both acknowledges this isn't mine, and there's an outside power that's stronger than those thoughts and feelings. So that's my opinion on it. Great question. Thank you very much. Okay, let's look at another one. This is Tim, YouTube. How might this tie in to the entities experienced in sleep paralysis? Watched a nightmare on Netflix that last night. LOL. I saw that, but I, I mean, I saw that it was on Netflix. I didn't watch it. Tim, I don't know if you've seen, we have an episode that is called Where Dreams Come From. As an episode of this show, if you if you search our channel, Where Dreams Come From, we actually talk about sleep. We get a, a sleep expert talks about sleep paralysis, and Swedenborg says negative dreams are brought on by evil spirits. So you would, you the things people see during sleep paralysis, you know, 
from a Swedenborgian perspective, those would be evil spirits trying to mess with us. But there's cool stuff in that episode about how they can't actually harm us during sleep paralysis. They can just scare us. So I'd, I'd look that episode up if you haven't seen it. Thanks. Okay, next one. Seth, YouTube. What about memories which are used in survival that haunt you at times? Is that pushing you to be good? Is that evil or is that both? I think it could be either. It seems like, from what I've found in talking to human beings, it seems like generally it's used to debilitate people. People who are plagued by memories of negative things, uh, it doesn't have a positive impact on their life. It may be saying, oh, I'm just keeping you good, but what it does is make somebody miserable, generates negative emotions. Notice that Swedenborg says angels don't like to criticize people for past mistakes. Evil spirits love to do that. So I think it would be very rare that someone needed a wake-up call. Most of the time, people who are haunted by memories are already sorry about them. If you did something terrible and you don't feel bad about it, then maybe you need to get kicked into gear. But if you already feel bad and that's haunting you, you got to look at the intent, you know, as Jerry said. And you got to look at the effects. Is it actually making you into a good person or is it making you into a miserable person? So there's no pure label. It's always going to be this or this, but my experience is more often than not is hell. That my opinion, of course. Okay, next one. Robin, do evil spirits get more subtle, more devious as you gain wisdom? I would think so. I mean, I haven't heard anything from Swedenborg about that, but certainly, you know, some of the evil spirits are the lies that, that Jerry Marzinski or, or, you know, says that they say to people, I, I think, oh, I would never believe something like that. It seems as though evil spirits know what pushes your buttons. So if you are someone who would never believe that kind of thing but could fall prey to something more subtle, they can sense that. It's like an instinct that they can figure out, this person is strong here, but they're weak here, so I'll go here. From what I understand, Swedenborg goes on and on about how smart some of them are. That They're not just brutes, so certainly could be that if you have the regular channels of attack closed off, there's other ways for them to get at you, okay? All right, next one. Maureen, in Swedenborg's books, does he define what spirit is? Is it the same from the soul or one and the same? Thanks, Curtis. Um, shoot, don't thank me yet, because I don't know if I'm going to get this one right. Uh, we, we had an episode where we talked about this spirit and soul. I mean, when he says spirit, he's talking about your consciousness. That the part of you that's thinking and feeling and actually watching this now, it's using the physical structures of your eyes, but that is your spirit. And that once the body dies the spiritual sense is open. So, soul, um, in the chat room, the moderator knows. I think we, we talked about this, right? Okay. And the soul, it, there's there's also a higher self. It's like, this is more of where God connects you. That could be called the soul. He uses different terms at different times. So, that's why I said, be careful when you're saying, thanks, Curtis, because you're probably not going to get what you wanted. <laughs> so, there's my answer to that one. Let's do a couple more. It's getting late, but we'll we'll try to throw a few more in here. Seth, what did Swedenborg have to say about sages? Oh, man, I don't know. So which sages do we mean here, man? Um, as far as leaders of various traditions, uh, he says that there's spiritual truth all over the globe. I mean, there can be plenty of wisdom with people in all kinds of traditions. It wasn't just you've got to be in the Christian kind of trajectory, that, that God is communicating with all kinds of people, and that a lot of these... Um, tribal sort of cultures had great knowledge of correspondences and of life. So if that's what you mean by that, and he was all about it. 
So he, he the, the most ancient church was the the highest that human entity has been. We did an episode called the history, the spiritual history of the human race about that, and that that carries on in in religions today. So there's that. Let's do one more, or this one, then one more. Are these embodied spirits or departed spirits? The evil I experience are the people I'm around. Yeah, people can be tough. What Swedenborg would say is, all the human beings you interact with are human beings. However, all of us have heaven and hell trying to influence our mind. If hell really gets a hold of a person, it's not that there are evil spirits looking through them and using them, but evil spirits have such an impact on how that person thinks and feels and can push them toward action enough that, in a way, you are dealing with evil spirits. Uh, although, yeah, I'm not, you, you can never say to, that a particular person is, because we never fully know what's going on spiritually with anyone, but according to Swedenborg, hell and heaven have a, do- have a portal into the world through us, through the things we say, the things we do. If there was none of us on here, Heaven and hell couldn't interact with the world, but we're we got to choose what kind of portal we're going to be there. So there's some some uh, inspirational talk. Be a good portal. Be a good. Be, be somebody who makes Judy happy. All right, to the rest of you out there. Okay, one last one. U R S T. Curtis, answer this. Okay, done. Depression wiped out all of my joy and pleasures of my life. I feel so broken and lifeless. I feel like a walking corpse. I come home only to bed. What can I do? Well, that sounds like that's really tough. I'm sorry that you're going through that. And I mean, that's that's heavy language, and I'm sure it's indicating a really heavy experience. And I, first of all, I would say that that's not, you're not the only person I've heard of something like that. I remember studying major depression when I had, to, when I was in the deepest part of my depression, and that people often can't get out of bed. You'll have depressive people who can't get out of bed at all. I would say, Really, when it's that serious, the first thing to do is get people to help you. You know, people in your life, let them in, talk about what's going on. Have you got, and some people have a stigma about professionals or psychologists or psychiatrists. Those people, some of them, they're not all great, but some of them are really helpful. And don't, don't take a stand on, oh, I would never take medication. You know, it may be that something's appropriate for you. I would say, Start letting people know what's going on for you and see what they say. I know for me, I, I didn't have it as bad as you, but physical stuff was important. Getting out there, getting exercise, getting water it might seem stupid, but that kind of stuff does matter. Nutrition matters. And then see, you know, are there options? Are there pharmaceutical options? Are there talk therapy options? Can anyone in your life help you? What works? Because you're you're in a really intense place and you probably, and if you try something and it doesn't work, then don't worry about it. You can stop that. You can do something else. But see what's there. And I would say that it's not always going to be that bad. Nobody stays in that state forever. It's tough now, but there's going to be time in which, I don't know how many years, a couple years from now, five years from now, you're going to be in a whole different place. And you're going to say, this is great. I made it here. So I I know that's going to happen. Uh, Sorry about what you're going through. And and really, those are my thoughts. It's good to supplement with things like what we're talking about here, but there's more help from the people who are immediately around you, and, and just and just be open to things. Try things, because everybody's different, and hopefully you can find what works for you. Thank you for being willing to share a little bit of what you're going through, uh, and I hope I hope that, you know, at some point you look back and just say, wow, uh, this, I'm doing great now. So that's my hope for you. Thanks, everybody, for, for coming tonight.
really appreciate your input. You stay on a watch. Hopefully you got something good out of it. Next week, we're going to talk about what God can't do. That's right, can't do. So if you're interested, join us, same place, same time. See you then.